Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, how are you today? I hope you are taking care of yourself as well as taking care of the things you deem to be important. I was going to talk about something completely different today, but my heart just isn't in it because my father passed away a week ago today. I have just been hurting, and so sometimes we talk about hard things after the fact. It's not raw, and it's not while you're in it. So I thought, you know what? My heart isn't in the other topic right now, first of all, and second, Maybe it would be something that other people can relate to, having a parent pass away and you weren't ready for that. When are you ever ready for your parent to pass away? Anyway, that's my topic today. I'm going to tell you the quick story about what happened and then we'll talk about grief and how to not get over it. You don't get over things, but maybe get through it. So my dad is very healthy He eats right out of the garden all organic food that he grows himself. I have always grown up really caring about my health and about what I put into my body because of my dad. My dad is very active. He goes to the gym. He plays basketball. Lately, when we've gotten together, we play pickleball together, and he's just been kind of a pillar of good health. And so it was a shock at Thanksgiving in November when he was kind of not himself and he was saying that he had a headache and his throat hurt him and he was actually thinking that maybe it was a toothache. And so he went in to get his tooth removed and get on antibiotics and that wasn't it. And so he went back and the dentist gave him another round of antibiotics. As time went on, he found out that it was actually in his thyroid. And so they removed his thyroid, took a biopsy, and he had cancer in his thyroid. And not just any kind of cancer, but it was anaplastic thyroid cancer, which if you're going to have cancer, thyroid cancer is one of the ones to have as it is not so difficult to remove. But he did not have that. He had one, the anaplastic that for him, it wrapped around his esophagus. So even though they removed 90% of it, there was still 10% left that they were going to have to get from doing chemo and radiation. So they did that and they removed all of it except for the 10%. So at that point, what anaplastic does is it's just a really rare, aggressive form of thyroid cancer. It caused severe compression in his neck and his head and his breathing and swallowing. It was hard for him to speak and it metastasized throughout his whole body. Soon it was in his lungs and his liver and in his brain. It was terrible to watch that. There was a point, and you'll when we talk about the stages, you'll hear part of this story is maybe denial or yearning and searching because we want something to be different than the outcome that is inevitable. 
And so for my story, when I heard that my dad had anaplastic cancer, I immediately looked up, what is anaplastic? I just wanted to know everything about it. And I think a lot of my siblings did as well. So we were all looking it up and we were like, oh my gosh, this is not good. (laughs) This is terrible. And I think what my parents did was they were like, you know, we have cancer. We don't want to freak ourselves out. So we're probably not going to Google it or look it up. We're just going to go with what the doctor recommends. One of my reactions was to get on Facebook and to join group for people who have anaplastic cancer. And I really actually suggest that anything that you or your children or your spouse or your kids come upon that you get a diagnosis for, this is actually a really helpful thing to do is find a group, find your people, find people who have been through it or are going through it. Because like I say a lot, is we all have a PhD in something and we just learn from each other as human beings. And so I got on this anaplastic cancer Facebook page and I was learning so much about what my dad is going to experience, where he should go for help, and the difference if he didn't get the help at this certain hospital or if he stayed and got the treatment that he was receiving in, in the moment. It was so stark to me that I was telling my parents, hey, I think we need to get to this. It was a hospital. It's called MD Anderson in Houston. I think we need to get you to this hospital. I think we need to go immediately. We don't have any time to wait. We don't have days and weeks. We have hours and we need to get him there. And I think my dad being the ultimate optimist and just wanting to be comfortable in his own home and didn't want to freak out about it and wanted to just know that his doctors knew what was best, chose to not go to MD Anderson. Man, that was really hard for me. (laughs) It's just because I'm reading what will happen if he doesn't, and he didn't. And I was having a really hard time with that, and I think my siblings were as well. So I flew up to see him, to sit in front of him and look him in the eye and figure out, did he know what was happening? Did he, was he kind of saying, you know what, I just want to be comfortable and and die? Or was he trying to fight this, but he just wasn't realizing what he was fighting, I guess. Once I got in front of him, it did seem like he just didn't know. And so I shared with him the things on the Facebook page and the things that I was learning. And eventually he did agree to go to Houston, but by then it was too late and he didn't have the energy and he couldn't talk at that point. And to be honest, there probably wasn't anything that Anderson MD could have done at that point anyway. And so there was this complicated grieving where I read The Untethered Soul. If you haven't read that by Michael Singer, it's really good and it just really helps you Take the things that are happening to you in your life and maybe, you know, the things that you don't really want to have happen and just accept them as they are. This is the part of my life where this happens and just lean into it and accept it and not try to resist it or be mad. I mean, we're human. So there was a part in this story where I was really frustrated and upset And maybe I didn't even feel listened to or valued on the things that I had read and that I was sharing. But then I thought, you know what? He has been having this pain actually since before Thanksgiving. 
And so my guess is that he started suffering with thyroid cancer and probably the anaplastic kind since at least Thanksgiving. He held on this whole time and fought the best that he knew how to fight. And here we are. Then at that point in the story when he couldn't go to Houston, but he still kind of wanted to fight. A whole bunch of complications happened. He couldn't eat anymore, so he had to have a feeding tube, and he couldn't swallow, so he had to put a trach in. And every and then he got pneumonia. There's just all these hurdles that I think he was thinking, oh, I just need to get over this hurdle. I just need to get over this hurdle, and then I can go fight the cancer. But the cancer was just getting him this whole time. It's so aggressive and so rare. I was able to spend the last night of his life in this earth with my sister, taking care of him and making him feel comfortable and just loving on him and talking to him. I mean, he was in a lot of pain, but he could totally understand us and was very with it, you know, tell us what pain level he had. And the next day we were going to move him home to come home with us, well, to his home to receive hospice care. But It ended up being that it got so bad that he ended up not being able to move out of the hospital and he died in the hospital with all of his kids and his wife surrounding him and talking to him, loving him, sending him on his new journey. I can talk about it now. It's been a week without crying to you because actually, I don't know why I'm not crying right now, but sometimes isn't that the truth? Can you relate to this, that sometimes you've just cried it out, but then someone will ask me a question, maybe a stranger, and then I'll just bawl. Then someone who I really care about asks me, I can talk like this. And so there's no right or wrong way. And a lot of times, too, people have grieved. As soon as I found out at the beginning of January, I was thinking, this is probably going to be really quick, according to what I'm reading. There was a part of me that was grieving this whole month and a half, you know? So that happens. And sometimes when we grieve beforehand, then we don't grieve as much after. But a lot of times this was so fast. So I am still grieving. I will be grieving for a long time. What's interesting is there's a lot of different varieties of people who say there are stages of grief. The most popular psychiatrist, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, on grief suggests that we go through five distinct stages, but I tend to thinking that we have seven. They are shock and denial. If a loss occurs suddenly or even with advance notice, it's possible to experience shock and you feel emotionally numb and you can deny the loss. And I think You know, we can do this with ourselves. I think my dad and mom were in quite a bit of shock and denial of what it was. And I think both just thought, you know what, we're healthy. We've gone through a lot of life. I mean, my dad was 75. I'm going to get through this. And I love that about both of them. But I especially love their optimism. And then I think I was, in my story of it, I was in shock and denial that We weren't doing something to aggressively fight this because I just did not want to lose my dad and I wanted him to have the best possible outcome, which would be to live until he was 100. Then there's pain and guilt. During this stage in grieving, the pain of the loss starts to set in. So 
maybe we feel guilty. There is a part of me that, what did I not tell him before? Maybe I should have been, made him go to the doctor, right? You know, even though he was telling me that it was just a toothache and I was checking in on him, maybe I just should have thought that it could be thyroid and that he needs to go get a scan earlier. You know, there's so much, I don't know, guilt is a funny feeling because we really shouldn't feel guilt if we didn't do anything wrong. So I get people on that all the time in my office. They'll say, I feel so guilty about such and such. And I'm like, well, did you do anything wrong? Well, no, but then you still feel guilty. So why do we feel guilty if we didn't do anything wrong? And then the other times that we can feel needy or guilty is needing things from our family and friends. I need understanding that. And for example, (laughs) this podcast, Elise, who helps me edit this, usually needs this at least a week in advance and she's getting it the night before. And so I need her to forgive me for giving this to her the night before. Then there is anger and bargaining and you might want to lash out at people you love or become angry with yourself or try to strike a bargain with higher power. Oh, I used to do things like this. Oh, Lord, if you grant this to me, I promise to and then I would promise the world, you know. And you're doing that to ask that the loss be taken away in exchange for something on your part. I think it's interesting because that would mean that we have a transactional relationship with our higher power. And I've actually grown to believe for myself that is not how God works. He's not a transactional God. He's not waiting for us to say, if I do something, then you'll stop this cancer. But sometimes we... We just want it to be that way. And so we will do whatever it takes to make it that way. Then there's depression and loneliness. You know, and this is part of why I share this on here is that there is some loneliness in knowing that, gosh, am I one of the only ones who's lost a parent? And maybe my friends don't know how I feel or any loss, right? We can just feel a little down and depressed and kind of the world should stop, but it just doesn't stop. And this could be in any, it doesn't have to be a parent loss. It can just be in any kind of radical thing that happens in your life that's hard. So it's in this stage in grieving that we really, truly realize the reality of loss. And oftentimes this happens, you know, two months or more after the funeral. So during my family and I, we feel very carried and very loved and nurtured right now. People bring meals and texts and offer love and support on social media and in person and phone calls and there's flowers being sent. And then I'm sure we're all going to be at the funeral and just, and all this is so good and right. It's so loving to feel all that love surrounding you and that's how it should be. And then everyone kind of has to just get back to their own lives. Then that's when it's hard for the people who are grieving is now they're not as carried, they're not as thought of because now everyone's kind of moved on and which is fine too. It's just part of the stage. It's just part of just noticing, oh yeah, this is where I'm going to feel a little lonely because everyone else is doing their life and I'm still grieving my dad or I'm still grieving. Then there's the upward turn. You begin to adjust to your new life and the intensity of the pain you feel from the loss starts to reduce. And at this point in the grieving process, you might notice that you feel a little calmer. You know, I can't wait for that part. (laughs) And Really, let's say that all of these stages, they're not really stages they don't go in order. I could still go back to shock and denial. I can still go back to pain and guilt. So I could feel like I'm making this upward turn. Here I am talking about it on a podcast without crying. 
And then when I push stop, then I could feel pain and guilt, you know, or I can feel maybe some more anger or depression or loneliness. So none of these have to be in order, but we kind of cycle through them around and around, but then eventually they take their place. And then there's the reconstruction and working through. So in this stage in grieving involves taking action or moving forward. You begin to reconstruct your new normal. We're going to have to go on reunions and visits and trips without my dad now. Working through the issues that create the loss. Now, I know my mom sometimes listens to this podcast. We're all going to be a little more loving and hovering toward her. And she might love that or hate that. Just trying to help her and make sure that she's not feeling all alone in this house of hers that she has, that she thought she would live, you know, 20 more years with my dad in. And now things might look a little different for her. And then there's acceptance and hope. In this final stage of the grieving process, we begin to accept the loss and feel hope for what tomorrow might bring. And it's not that all of our other feelings are gone. It's just more that we've accepted them and ready to move on. And this is, I've really tried to do this. I didn't know if you saw a reel that was posted when I very, not the very first, but maybe in the middle of my dad's diagnosis. I just said, I'm working really hard at just accepting that this is my reality. This is the chapter where my dad passes away of anaplastic cancer. Sometimes I say that with a swear word in front of it. But this is the part where he dies of anaplastic cancer. And how do I want to show up? How do I want to remember this time with my dad? How do I want to remember this time after? It's important to note that, again, negative feelings, this negative feeling that I'm feeling. Okay, here's the tears, which is just feeling really sad and down and kind of like, why did this have to happen at this time? I feel like I still want him in my life. This is the part of my life where I'm supposed to feel all that. So it's okay that I feel all that. I don't need to shove it down. I don't need to push it down. I can just say, oh, yep, here it is. This is the part where I feel all of this. And it's hard. And I'm here for it because this is what life is about. We're not always happy all the time. We're not always, we're not here to be on vacation and to never have any loss or sorrow. That is what life is about too. This is the chapter where I experience my 75-year-old dad dying of cancer. I'm actually really grateful that my kids are old enough that they got to have a relationship with him and get to know him. This is going to just be the weirdest episode because it's not really structured. I'm just talking. I don't have anything written down. I'm just, you know, kind of sharing with you my raw feelings at this time. Here's something I want to share. You know, when I go back to, oh my gosh, I found out what I need my dad to do. He needs to go to Houston and he needs to go this other route for treatment. If I say that I'm angry because he didn't do that, that is going to be part of my story. So I've been asking myself a lot, how do I want my story of my dad's death to be? And I've decided that I just wanted to send him off in love because my belief is that he's still around. You know, I don't believe you just go into a black nothingness. I think that he's still here. And so I want my story to be loving and have energy that there's just love there. There was anger and there was frustration. And to accept that that is how I was feeling at the moment. But now 
I'm just going to release that and not be angry and not be frustrated as much as I possibly can. Sometimes when we read a book, we're like, oh, I know exactly how this is going to end. I think sometimes we do that with our life. We think, oh, I know exactly how my life is going to go because this is what I'm doing to create my life. At least in my life, I that is just not happened. <laughs> I just keep getting thrown curveballs. I didn't expect to lose my dad when I'm only 45 and he's only 75. Not to cancer. I would have never thought that's what he would have passed away from. To look at our life as chapters in a book, sometimes we're wrong. And to not make that mean something about us or about the other person. I don't need to make my dad getting cancer or wanting to stay at home and get the treatment that he was getting mean anything about him except for we're all just doing the best we can do with the knowledge that we have at the time that we have it. And that's how the story goes. Isn't that so much better than being so frustrated and mad? Now, like I said, it's okay that I was mad and frustrated and it's also okay to choose something different. And so this is me just being intentional that I really wanted to share this, that I, I had these complicated feelings of being frustrated and mad, but I'm choosing to have acceptance and love and have that energy in my body and really thinking of loving feelings. So here I am letting that go, letting the frustration and anger go. Not that I can't go back to it at some point, but I'm trying to be really intentional about I just want it to be loving and I want to be grateful and I am grateful. I got to spend the last night with him. I got to spend the whole day with him until he passed away. All my siblings were there. And it was, you know, my siblings are the most awesome people. I just love every single one of them. They mean so much to me. And we were just hugging and crying and talking and scratching each other's back and crying some more and telling stories and even singing at some points. And it was just such a beautiful time. I think we're all, we were all close before, but I think we're even closer now. My dad was a gardener, like I said earlier. And it's one of the things I just really admired and loved about him. And I could call him up for my own gardening questions. To be a gardener is to be a, a good caretaker. And he was such a good caretaker for us in so many ways and more ways than just feeding us. For him to be a good gardener, you first have to decide what you want out of your garden. What did he grow? He grew a ton of things. My favorites were raspberries, grapes, peas, beans, potatoes, squash, corn, artichokes. You know what else he would do as a gardener of his kids? he would help us create short-term and long-term goals. That really helped us to put first things first. That it was such a good thing to learn as a young kid. And to also be a good gardener, you have to prepare. He would till the earth. He would do the prepping, de-rocking, adding manure. And he would teach us by stories. And he prepared us for our life by teaching us the things that we would need to learn. He was a really hands-on dad. And so if he thought we needed to learn something or to be taught something, he would take us aside and teach us. To be a good gardener, you have to put that idea of what you want your garden to look like into action. So he would start his garden way before the earth would be ready to put seeds in it. He would have 
starter cups sprouting all over the house wherever it was sunny. And, you know, I think for that in life, he was very nurturing. He was the one that we would go to to tell our woes. And he also implemented Force Family Fun where we would play games every Sunday night. He was just really planting the seeds for us all to be close and enjoy one another's company. When you are a good gardener, you get to harvest. And now it's time to get up early and beat the heat. We lived in Salt Lake and, you know, it's still 100 degrees sometimes in the summer. So if you need to go pick the peas or tomatoes, then you get up early and you do that. And in life, he was just so excited to have us hit the home run or get that job or win the race or graduate from college, take that vacation. Not only did he harvest his garden, but he also would then share his harvest with anyone that wanted it. To be a good gardener, you sometimes have to know that the weather affects the quality and quantity of the harvest. There's freezing temperatures and there's not enough rain or it might be a blazing hot summer. And it's inevitable that sometimes what we worked hard for just doesn't happen how we planned. I would say that he worked really hard to live a long life by eating healthy and exercising and taking care of his body. And then he got this dumb cancer. And there's a lot of times that we have disappointment, but my dad taught me to keep my chin up and know that everything will work out. And it just means a lot of the times when things don't work out that we just get a problem solved and try again. My dad really was the ultimate optimist. And so just like we enjoyed having this garden and our master gardener, because the food and the nutrients from that food were like no other. It was, it's more important that he did that with love and he taught us with love. And I wonder if he knew all that he would really get out of that garden, which, you know, it's not that my parents were perfect, but they were perfect for me. Hopefully someone can relate to this, that you can take something of this grief cycle and of just acknowledging and accepting, create the story that you would want to create when someone passes. We'll be back on to our regular episodes after this. I just, my heart wasn't in doing a regular episode today because I wanted to give a nod and be so grateful for my dad and to know that we can get through these hard times and to be intentional about how we want to go through this time. So thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.